God made it real clear that civil government was to enforce justice and defend the weak, executing swift punishment as a deterrent for crime. If we look at those three things and interpret it, look at, look at it through the lens of the Bible, we can identify every problem in civil government across the face of the earth today, I, I believe. Welcome to Life in Christ, a podcast of The Landing Church. Uh, my name is Andrew Ross, and I'm happy to be hosting this week. Often it is Brent with one of our other elders hosting, but Brent and his family are on vacation. So me and our one of our elders, Paul, are filling in this week. So how are you doing, Paul? Doing really good, Andrew. Thank you. Good, good. Well, thank you for coming in. You have been teaching, was it a couple weeks ago, in adult Sunday school, and you were teaching from Wayne Grudem's Christian Ethics book, and obviously as Wayne gleans from God's Word, and you were talking about civil government. That's correct, yeah. Everyone's favorite subject. No strong opinions or anything on this subject? None, none. <laughs> it's, it's a, there's without any flaw there, without any consideration for how it could be done differently or more godly or <laughs> nothing like that. That's no, right. we're good. We're good. <laughs> well, so... I. In this episode, we're going to talk about the foundations for thinking about civil government. And then on our next one with you and me, we're going to talk about how do we respond to the government God has given us. So let me ask you first, you gave a wonderful one-sentence summary of civil government. So would you mind, what is civil government? How should we think about it? I would encourage each one of us to think in terms that God himself established civil government to bring his truth, his justice which demonstrates his ethics to human societies. In a nutshell, that's, that's where I would land on it. This is a civil government is a work of God, and he uses that as a tool to bring his truth and his justice in the form of ethics to human societies. Absolutely, absolutely. God created civil government. It wasn't yep. a human idea. No. It was God created. No. Wonderful. And then one of the things you talked about at the beginning was some things we're not going to talk about and what civil government is and what it isn't. So would you mind just walking through? It's very helpful to think about all those things. Would you yeah. mind walking through that for us? Wayne Grudem does a beautiful job of laying out a comprehensive overlay picture of civil government. And he looks at it both from the perspective of what civil government ought to do and what we as believers ought to do. And I think most of us quickly would hop on the boat that would say, let's talk about what other people ought to do. Yes. Let's talk about what government should do. And we'd be less quick to say, but what should I do? Mm -hmm. So I chose, because of time constraints that we were facing on Sunday morning, I chose to focus on what God would have us do, intentionally just skimming very, very briefly over some things that Wayne Grudem points out that government should be doing. But I'd like to touch on that just for a minute now because that's a big part of the picture. Yes. And we've got to make sure that we're on top of that too. But um, some of the things that um, Wayne Grudem says that civil government is and is not or should do or should not do include things like governments should serve the people and seek the good of the people and nations. Mm. We see that around us and we sometimes nod in approval and sometimes shake our head in dismay or disgust on that one. But yeah. Um, the other one, governments should safeguard human liberty. God made people in his image. God has given people the ability to think through things, to apply what that individual would apply based on that individual's relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ or not. And, and somehow, some way, 
God is saying, let's not put people in a, a jar or a box mm-hmm. so they can't exercise that. He even went so far as one real seemingly small example. In San Francisco some years ago, they outlawed plastic bags. Hmm. And he went into great detail about why that's infringing on his human liberty. I found that real interesting, partly because I've got an affinity towards paper bags, and <laughs> there's been some changes in our community there. But, but it's a different, a different shoe there. But government should safeguard human liberty. Yeah. Governments, another main point, a big point that he made, government cannot save people or fundamentally change human hearts. Mm. Can't do it. Ephesians says, for by grace you are saved. It's not of works. You don't boast about it. God does something and you're saved. Government can't do that. The Bible says that God will place in us a new heart. God will bring about a transformation in us. He, he tells that in more than one place in the, in the Bible. So that's a point we're not going to spend any more time on right now, but other than to say that people must be transformed inwardly before the external manifestation means anything to anybody. Wayne Grudem also contends that there's principles that exist for a right relationship between the church and state. That's one that I find fascinating, and I could spend probably two Sunday school hours on that one if given the chance. But Jesus, didn't he make it clear? He said, give unto Caesar that which is Caesar and give unto God that which is God's. He was so clear about that. And that's one of the things Wayne Grudem says, there are certain things that there's, God has established to, a, to, main, to establish and maintain a right relationship between church and state. Um, civil government should never try to compel religion. And you'll see throughout the life of Jesus, Jesus never picked up a sword and said, believe. He loved people. He showed people the truth. And people had the choice to reject him or accept him. Some religions in the world today, Andrew, you know as well as I do, we read about it through the persecuted church. There's, there's churches being burnt. There's people being killed in, in, in the hundreds in the name of, for the name of Jesus Christ because another religion is saying, uh-uh, you're going to believe like I believe or you're going to be dead. Yeah. A 16-year-old boy in a country right now faces execution by hanging because he won't recant his love for Jesus Christ. A 16-year-old boy. Also, that there should be a clear and strong separation of powers within a government. He uses an example of Solomon, how Solomon kind of rose to the height of power on the face of the earth, and he fell. Yeah. He fell. The number of wives he had, the, even in his great wisdom, he became a negative example to us in some regards because there wasn't a separation of power. He, he chose, in some cases, not to listen to the godly voices around him. Yeah. Wayne Grudem also says the rule of law applies even to rulers of nations. God instructed kings of Israel to sit down and write out the laws that he had given for hmm. that nation to follow. Yeah. Can you imagine our president today sitting down and writing down the laws that God wants us, wants him to follow? Yeah. Well, we're not a theocracy, but, you know, right. imagine that. Yeah. And then the king would keep those laws with him, refer to them, practice them, and, and use that as a measuring stick for the people that he worked with. Hmm. So the rule of law is supposed to apply even to rulers of nations according to God. Mm-hmm. Um, government should prevent any one person or group from gaining too much power. Examples of that in the Bible. And then he makes two other points. Government should be chosen by the people. The Bible give, He says the Bible gives indirect support to this and that nations should value patriotism, which he says is demonstrated throughout the, the Word of God. Mm. So those are some things that we're not going to touch on. Yeah. <laughs> and in Sunday school when I said, so how many would rather talk about those things than about what our role should be 
Nobody raised their hand, but it was a rhetorical question. But yeah. I saw, I saw sheepish little glints and looks and stuff like that. Yeah. But we had a we had a wonderful time going through the the four truths that we did examine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there is so much there that you know could dig into and wonderful yeah. things. Good to make the bullet points of it to just yeah. be able to say, hey, these these things are not unimportant. Right. They are important, but they're not the the main focus of what at least in Sunday school and what we're doing today, but important to mention. So the first thing you really hone in on is that God establishes civil government. So I would ask, where do, where do we see that in the Bible? How do we have a biblical basis for saying God is the establisher of civil government? It wasn't just some guy's idea. Right. And I think Grudem is spot on here. He goes back to Genesis, hmm. goes way back to Genesis. And if we look at the early parts of Genesis, Genesis 6, for example, the world is in disarray. Hmm. God uses seven verses, chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, to portray that. Just seven verses. Hmm. But the world was in disarray. Mankind had completely ignored God's holy character. There was no hint of applying God's ethical behavior in in that land at that time. That's where it came from. So what did God do? God said, Noah, you have found favor in the sight of the Lord, and I'm going to spare you and your family, and I want you to take the representative animals Get him on this ark, and I'm going to save you. What God was doing is he was reestablishing what he wanted on the earth. And the words God spoke were meant as a directive. They were instructive, and they established the foundation for significant action by God. God said in Genesis 9, 5 through 6, after, after all this had gone on and, and Noah had been delivered from the flood, God told Noah, and for your lifeblood, I will require a reckoning. From every beast, I will require it. And from man, from his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. God is saying, you are made in my image. And God's saying, if somebody destroys that life, their life shall be destroyed. He was not talking to the nation Israel. He was not talking to what we call now the body of believers of Jesus in Jesus Christ. He was talking to mankind. Yeah. And that's where civil government was, was established. I made you in my image, and this is the way it's going to be. He laid this command out before the nation of Israel was in existence, and he laid this out before there was any, any hint of theocracy going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, he, so God is talking there, like you said, to all the people that existed at that moment. So we can't just look at the Old Testament and say... Well, anything there is just theocracy. That's not what God... But we say, no, all the way back in Genesis, before, like you said, the nation of Israel was established, God is already giving the basis and grounding for civil government and first and foremost, protecting the image of God, we who bear his image. Exactly, exactly. Matter of fact, if you want to talk about theocracy, we can go back and look at other references in Leviticus, and God gets pretty specific with his people not only if you kill somebody, but if you're rebellious to your parents, yeah. you're going to die. Yeah. If you commit sexual sin, you're going to die. Mm-hmm. On and on. So that's the theocracy part of it, the theocratic part of it. Yeah. This first part is, are you a human being? Yes. This applies to you. So all the way back, Genesis 6, Genesis 9, you can see God establishing civil government. Yeah. Praise God. And then you gave some negative examples of what a society looks like when they're when they're not operating under God's civil government, or at least not operating under the principles God had given from judges. And you 
uh, read from Judges how in those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. You described how that's a picture of what it's like to not be operating under God's good design. And we are not letting God's people off the hook here. We were talking about all the people in the world. Here in Judges, we are still talking in large part about the people that God said, you're my people. You will follow me. And somewhere along the line, they said, "Uh -uh, Mm uh-uh, not going to do that anymore. And they did what was right in their eyes. They committed idolatry. They committed sexual assault. They dismembered a deceased person and, and sectioned that person up and sent him throughout the land, kidnapping, murder, forced marriages, all kinds of, you know, atrocities in God's sight. And, and that's what happens when every man does it their own way. Mm. Pretty bleak picture of Terrible. going against God's design for civil yeah. government, for sure. So then you also gave some examples of enforcing justice, and you talk about how the government is supposed to do that. Would you mind digging into that a little bit more, thinking about the government's role and justice? Sure. God made it real clear that civil government was to enforce justice and defend the weak, executing swift punishment as a deterrent for crime. If we look at those three things and interpret it, look at, look at it through the lens of the Bible, we can identify every problem in civil government across the face of the earth today. Wow. I, I believe. Yeah. Those are my words. Justice. If, if justice is not carried out according to God's word, things will unravel. Mm. They'll unravel quick. If the weak aren't defended as God has instructed them, instructed us to defend the weak, mm-hmm. things will fall apart. That's that's the core of society. You don't care about anybody anymore. Yeah. And executing swift justice in in uh, Ecclesiastes Ecclesiastes eight eleven, because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily, the heart of the children of man is fully set to do evil. Hmm. And yet we see governments across the face of the earth probably most assuredly, even in our own country, saying, well, let's just look the other way on that one. That crime's really, you know, well, he probably didn't mean it. She probably didn't mean it. And, and, and we'll just not, and what happens? It escalates. It rolls on and on. It gets worse and worse and worse. Yep. God has a system for dealing with things, and, and man can choose to, to follow God's will, or man can choose to, to do his way like everyone did as they thought was right in their own mind. Mm-hmm. Which, if you believe that as human beings we are at heart good people who just make bad decisions, then why do we need the government to be restraining? And do, you know, we just need to let people be free and do the good things and just encourage those things. But as the Bible teaches, we're not good people at heart. Right. We are sinful people, and so therefore we do need the government to defend and and defend the weak and enforce justice. Otherwise, it will go horribly wrong. Yeah. Another point from Scripture that I want to make is that some will say, well, how about the Scripture where Jesus said, turn the other cheek? Mm-hmm. If you get slapped, just turn the other cheek. Well, that, that's a, that was an example, not a mandate, first of all. Mm-hmm. But I think there's two verses that kind of tie that together. In Romans 12, we're told, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it's written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So God says he's going to take care of the wrongdoing that comes my way. And then we're told in 1 Peter, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Mm -hmm. Civil government laid out as a human institution, perhaps? Yeah. Whether it's to be to the emperor 
as supreme or to governors or sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. See the connection there? God tells us to leave it to him, and then he tells us to be subject to the civil government that he has established. Yeah. So it's not not a man-made thing. This no. is a God, this is God ordained. Yeah. He created it and he loves it when it's following his design. Yeah. yeah. So on top of then, so God is the creator, founder of civil government. Then the second thing you talked about, this big heading is God's sovereign over all, and all are accountable to him. Would you mind digging into that a little more? Okay. Yeah. Every time that I have a chance to talk with you or Brent on a podcast, I can't get away from talking about the sovereignty of God, the glory of God, the wondrous nature of God. And that's what we see here. He does and he will hold all nations accountable for actions they commit. We see that throughout Scripture. Through Moses, God told Pharaoh, For this purpose I have raised you up to show you my power so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. Think about that. God is telling this pagan ruler, you are in the position you're in because I'm going to show my power through you. Now, fast forward to 2023, and it's not hard to find pagan rulers across the face of the earth. And hear God saying, I've raised you up so I can show you, show my power through you. It doesn't that just blow you away? Yeah. I mean, what's going on? What are you doing, God? I, you know, I wish I could, at times I wish I could, I say, I wish I could see what God is doing because that is such an awesome thing. All of these things that are going on that seem so out of whack, so out of line, nation rising up against nation, um, governmental leaders leading persecution in our dear brothers and sisters in foreign countries, and God saying, you leader, I have raised up so I can show my power through you. We bow in subjection to our great God and say, come Lord Jesus, you know, yeah. do what you're going to do. Gives you a much bigger picture of what is going on rather than just all the details of thinking God is showing his power through all yeah. that is going on. It, there's a lot of hope there where there wouldn't be much hope. Oh, I know. I know. It, it, even now as we're talking, Andrew, I'm, I'm, I've got these tangents in my mind. I just love to run with them. Yeah. But by the time people listen to this podcast, that'll be old news. It'll be yeah. something new on the scene. Right. But, but there are so many, there are so many examples today in the news that we could talk about and say, look at this one. Yeah. Look at that one. How does this make sense? Yeah. Well, God's sovereign over that, and he's making sense out of it, or he will make sense out of it. Yeah. We just won't see it yet. Through Isaiah, the prophet, God told Cyrus, the king of Persia, the Lord says of Cyrus, he is my shepherd, he shall fulfill all my purpose. Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have grasped to subdue nations before him. Before God knew what he was doing, God had this, this man, that woman, this man marked to be part of his big plan, and they didn't even know it. Yeah, I love that, fulfill all. All my purpose. Yeah, all my, yeah. None of, Cyrus will not be able to do anything that will not no. fulfill all of God's purpose. Yeah. One more, if I can. Yeah. The psalmist expressed in a general way, for not from the east or from the west and not from the wilderness comes lifting up, but it's God who executes judgment, putting down one and lifting up another. Don't look to what's going on in the east. Don't look to what's going on in the west. God is lifting lifting up the ones he wants lifted up to tend to the mm. things that God's doing. I've got to talk about Daniel. Yes. Daniel is my favorite. If, if there's ever an example, I can... Daniel has so many examples. Yeah. So many examples. But he affirmed 
Daniel said, he, that's God, removes kings and sets up kings. He says, the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. He gives the kingdoms, he gives the authority, he gives the rule of a nation or nations or continents or whatever to who he will. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, next question, please. Right. You know, right. What else you say? Yeah. Well, as we get close to the end here, before we end this uh, foundational talking about civil government, just kind of an application thing, how, how should this affect how we pray for nations, thinking about God has established government and he's sovereign over it. How should it affect how we pray for our nation and for the nations of the world? Yeah. In a real general sense, I find myself just sometimes almost screaming out, God, do what you're going to do. Mm. Because that's that's what has to happen. Yeah. But on the other hand, there's biblical principles, I think, that we can look at. And we know that killing babies, for example, is not what God wants. God, would you slam the door on that? Would you just shut it down? Somehow, would you just, would you make us a, a, a people? Would you use this civil government that we're part of to show that we at least care about innocent life? Yeah. I mean, I say at least innocent life. There's so many other things we can talk about. Our, our children are subjected to so many things today. And, you know, so we go back to the scripture and say, what's God say? Train up a child the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Mm-hmm. Well, how do we do that? What are we teaching our kids? God, would you help? Would you intervene here so our kids are taught what you want them to learn? I, th- I think those are two real kind of still pretty broad yeah. responses. Three, I guess. One, God's sovereign. Do what you're going to do. But then two specific issues. But there's every issue we think about, God has his plan for that issue. And we don't have to be rocket scientists or 85-year-old biblical scholars to figure it out sometimes. Right. We can go to the Word and say, God, help me dig through this stuff again. Mm-hmm. And he'll show us. But we pray, God, what's your will in this? We pray, I know, God, that you love this. Would you please make that manifest in this nation, in this country, in this city? Praise God. Yeah. Well, would you mind closing us in prayer? I'd do that. Thank you. Yeah. Father, we again praise you that you are so sovereign over all. You are sovereign over every government that's established in the smallest township, in the smallest part of the smallest country on the face of the earth. And you are sovereign over the greatest empires that have ever been raised up. You raise rulers up and you tear rulers down for your purposes. God, on a global scale, we pray that you'll continue to do that. On a smaller scale, perhaps, Some of these things, I think about our brothers and sisters, especially that are being persecuted under a civil government that doesn't uphold your principles. Would you provide them with relief of some sort? Would you be close to them? Would you, Father, pour out your spirit on them in a way that they will understand your love for them in a new and defining way? Be honored and glorified, Father. Have your way in my life, Pastor Andrew's life, and all of our lives. And God, be glorified in the societies, the communities we live in, as you raise up those you want raised up to show your power to the community and the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Paul, for digging in on this wonderful topic, important topic. And uh, next episode, we're going to talk about how do we respond, how do Christians respond to the civil governments God has given us. So looking forward to that. That'll be fun. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Life in Christ. 
This podcast is a ministry of The Landing Church in Duluth, Minnesota. For more resources or information about The Landing, visit www.thelanding.church.